The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Nonprofit Hour from the Media Institute for Social Change. I'm Jason Dennington. Today on the program, Julie Falk speaks to Erin Johnston and Jimmy Radosta from Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon about the organization, its connection to the larger Planned Parenthood organization, and the work that they do statewide in advocating for women's health and their reproductive choices. We are rebroadcasting that talk from earlier this year in light of the widespread attention that Planned Parenthood has been receiving in recent news and political arenas. After that interview, we will hear a brief conversation that I had with Jimmy Radosta earlier this week in which he updates us on recent progress and how the current controversies have had an impact on the work that they do. But to start today's episode, we have a look at Oregon's nonprofit news. While we are aware that the city of Portland is called home by a numerous and wide-ranging group of nonprofit organizations, there are many nonprofits located in the more rural areas of eastern Oregon that do great work in providing vital services and resources to people across our wide and spread out state. A recent announcement tells us that the coming year will make it a bit easier for those groups to acquire the resources that they need. What were previously two separate nonprofit conferences have stated that they'll be joining forces next year to bring representatives from all over the eastern part of the state to converge at the Eastern Oregon Nonprofit Conference at the Four Rivers Cultural Center in Ontario. Says Casey Ney, executive director of the Four Rivers Healthy Community, the conference brings an opportunity for nonprofit leaders to meet potential funders. Frequently, attending a nonprofit gathering for these groups would involve traveling to Bend or even here in Portland, and smaller organizations may not even have the budget to make that happen. Now, all of these groups will have the opportunity to gather information, network, and access resources a little bit closer to their homes. Next, a local company that gives support to help nonprofits grow has just experienced a windfall that will aid in their own growth. Impact Flow, which is located in the Silicon Forest of Northeast Portland, defines their mission is to break down barriers between the business and nonprofit worlds, eliminate the hoops in the fundraising process, and make giving back fun for everyone. They create an application which is a matching system to automatically connect nonprofits and businesses with similar philanthropic goals. Last week, Impact Flow announced that unidentified private investors from California aided them in raising $5.7 million to expand their operations. They currently employ 10 people here in Portland, but expect to double that in six months and are looking to expand to Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles next. And on the national nonprofit scene, the big news recently is HB Elmo. Yes, Sesame Workshop, the organization that creates the beloved and enduring children's education vanguard Sesame Street, has just announced that it has inked a five-year deal with premium cable channel HBO. 
Under the terms of the deal, Sesame Workshop will get funding that allows them to ramp up to 35 episodes per year from their current 18 in exchange for HBO getting exclusive airing rights to new first-run Sesame Street episodes for nine months before they would then be made available to PBS network stations. Critics claim that underserved and economically disadvantaged communities will be most affected by the delayed access to new shows and that many will not want or be able to spend the money to subscribe to a pay channel that is also widely known for some of its more edgy, sexually explicit, and graphic content. It is certain that the public broadcasting service will be affected by the move of one of its most identifiable shows and the enticement it gives to other key shows to consider a migration to pay TV. For now, we'll keep watching to see. In a short time, we will listen to Julie Falk's conversation with Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon. But to begin, we now have a segment that comes to us from the Media Institute's summer program, which profiles the local homeless advocacy nonprofit, JOIN. I tell people all the time on career day, you don't raise your hand and say, oh, I'm going to be homeless. That's not your idea. You, you pick out some great career and, and some great life that you'll have. This is Mark. He's a 49-year-old Navy veteran, and last year he lost his home when his landlord tried to charge $975 to fix a broken door. Rather than contest that and, and go to court and possibly face an eviction on my record, I just took a no cause and, and moved out. And um, that became the beginning of me being homeless. Um, I had never been homeless to that point. Um, I've always had a job, I've always I've been a provider. And in Portland, a city with one of the fastest rising rents and lowest vacancy rates in the country, working full-time at one or even two minimum wage jobs isn't always enough to pay the rent. When I moved out, yes, I still had my job, and it was became very difficult. I was a mover. It was the first time I ever done that job, and I didn't realize it was a seasonal position until I had started to work it, and then when wintertime came, the hours declined. It just became difficult to, to do so because I was moving from place to place. I didn't know where I was going to be from time to time, and it, it interfered with me at my ability to get the amount of sleep that you need required. You're lifting 10,000 pounds a week, and it makes it hard for you to perform at the level that you normally would perform at. Mark spent months couch hopping and sleeping outside until a friend finally referred him to JOIN. JOIN itself is an agency that strives to uh, meet homeless people where they're at, uh, which generally means on the street, sleeping on the loading dock or in parks or neighborhoods and business districts. Our goal would be to create relationships with each of those individuals and do whatever it takes to help that person transition into housing. Will Harris has been JOIN's deputy director for the past 21 years. We're trying to create a relationship, one that that hopefully uh, translates into friendship and support, not one that's paternalistic or directive. And so what are the, what are the ways that we <laughs> strike up the rapport? It, it is what do people need? And so we may have clean socks, or we may have cigarettes, or we may have bottles of water. JOIN is doing a lot more than providing physical necessities. 
They're trying to destigmatize homelessness and treat their friends with the courtesy and respect that they deserve as human beings. If you could have told me this five, six, seven years ago, I was like, come on, man, that's not, that is not going to be me, but you should never say never. My grandmother used to always say that to me. I'm like, now I'm like, oh, okay, this is what she meant. So, should never say never. It could always happen to anybody at any time. You just have a certain assertiveness about your mindset that, well, that'll never happen to me, or you assume from looking at someone from a distance that you understand how they want to be there. If they wanted to be there, they didn't want to be there. They would do something about it. And a lot of times it's just not that easy to make the transition without a little help. I guess I'm proud of Sever. I find most interesting about Join is that willingness to, to think about what it takes to do something and not worry about all the reasons why we shouldn't do it, um, but to think about how we can. Join basically, um, they started to help me look for a place. They kind of network for you and, and find the landlords that are willing to, to rent out to the veterans. And so that's, I was lucky in that aspect. Now Mark has a permanent home and access to veterans assistance, and he's getting back on his feet within a year of stumbling. But there are so many other less fortunate people out there. We see them every single day. Join believes the first step to eradicating homelessness is to raise the minimum wage and create affordable housing. But those are only pieces of a long and tough battle to change our whole societal structure. What can we do now? I know there's compassion fatigue, but you know, maybe maybe it's giving somebody a bus pass or a Sister the Road Cafe coupon, or maybe it's a smile or a couple minutes to listen to somebody who's down on his luck. Maybe it's, it's a no, no thank you, not at this time, rather than a cursory blow off when, when you do get approached by hand, panhandlers. Um, maybe it's just seeing people as people and not as that which makes you uncomfortable. And for people experiencing homelessness right now? Never lose hope. If you could do that, it's just hard sometimes when you're out here. It's easy to get down on yourself and then once you start piling a bunch of other stuff on your mind, it will, it can perpetuate itself. So just try to stay positive. It's easier said than done. And try to reach out, which is, is it's humbling, it's hard to do, and join us here. So seek them out. For more information, visit joinpdx.org or visit their day space shelter at 1435 Northeast 81st. This has been Becca Reebstein for X-Ray FM's Nonprofit Hour. That segment was brought to us by Media Institute summer program student, Becca Reebstein. And now to our host, Julie Falk. Hi, my name is Julie Falk, and I am here today uh, for the Nonprofit Hour brought to you by the Media Institute. And I'm excited to talk to Jimmy Rodasta and Aaron Johnston of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Julie. All right. Well, let's start off um, with with you just telling us what is Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon. I know that sometimes there's confusion between Planned Parenthood and Planned Parenthood Advocates. If you could just let our listeners know. Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon is the statewide political voice on behalf of Planned Parenthood. So while they, um, Planned Parenthood Columbia Willamette and Planned Parenthood of Southwestern Oregon provide the health care and the education programs, we're the ones who defend them and make sure that the right policies are in place and the right people are in office so that Oregon can remain the leading state in the nation for reproductive freedom. 
the leading state. I like that. We'll get into that more later. Yeah. Um, so, Jimmy, how did you get started with Planned Parenthood Advocates? I came to uh, Planned Parenthood uh, from the world of gay rights. I used to be the editor of the LGBT newspaper Just Out, and um, I see a lot of connections, obviously, between the fight for LGBT rights and the fight for reproductive rights. Uh, it's usually the same people who are trying to restrict what people can do with their bodies. Um, and I also uh, come to, from the world of journalism, so uh, as now communications director for Planned Parenthood Advocates, um, I feel like I can uh, choose the right words to uh, convey the, the mainstream values that uh, Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon represents. What about you, Aaron? So I got involved with the advocates, uh, Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon last year, and really was looking for an opportunity to get involved um, in an advocacy group and find it to be personally just very uh, frustrating that, you know, we're still having this conversation around access. And um, so when I got involved, I was in, an intern with the um, health center group and continued my work into the leadership and advocacy team and just find that um, we there's a need. There's a need here in Oregon, even though we are um, very progressive, um, there's a need to continue this work and to continue to be that voice for women's health care. And tell us more, what is the leadership and advocacy team? The le uh, leadership and advocacy team is an organization that is Again, the voice for women's health care, to sum it up. Um, we go out in the communities. Um, for me, I'm in Washington County, and we find our supporters. So we're looking for people who absolutely do not want politicians and corporations uh, making our health care decisions. And we go out to, for example, farmer's markets or the Hillsboro Hops baseball games. And we find the people that, that want information about women's health care. Uh, additionally, then, uh, what we can do is take that that group um, the, of our supporters and we um, go out and educate voters in an election year. So a lot of times what we see are politicians really skirting the issue of women's health. And Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon has a, an extensive endorsement process, and they um, will get to the bottom of where do politicians really stand. And then we can go out to our voters and, and ask or, and find out, let them know what exactly, um, where these politicians really stand. Um, so, Jimmy, um, you grew up in Salem. Did that affect your decision to get into politics and advocacy? Well, yeah, I, mean, I have uh, followed uh, politics, uh, you know, as a journalist for years now, and and even as a child, I, I was into like opening up my Oregon Blue Book and you know, remembering little statistics like the smallest city in in Oregon I think had a population of three, which I always found very interesting. Um, so uh, yeah, I've, I've been I've been following it for a while, but it it's great to now actually be a, a, on the front lines and actually making a difference. I mean, it's great to actually see the impact that we can have when women's voices are heard at the ballot box and obviously the people who support um, women's rights as well. I know that Planned Parenthood advocates were one of the first to congratulate Kate Brown. Um, can you talk a little bit more about um, what, what the, the swearing in of this new governor means? I have to say uh, uh, Governor Kitzhaber was a, a real champion for women's health, and that's nothing to take for granted. Um, I mean, he vetoed the entire 1999 Health and Human Services budget because it included an attack on women's health. 
However, uh, at this very challenging time for the state of Oregon, we are so lucky to have a women's health champion like Kate Brown as our governor. Um, uh, only the, the second woman to serve as governor, the first openly bisexual governor in the entire nation. But most importantly, is she is very effective at um, uh, passing policies that uh, make a real difference for uh, uh, women's equality. Uh, she uh, got a family sick leave bill uh, through. Uh, uh, she got contraceptive equity through after like a 14-year battle with the insurance industry. And uh, so we're uh, very excited that she's uh, now leading the state. Yeah. There's a common perception or misperception that Planned Parenthood's work only affects women. What's it like being a man who's a visible part of the Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon? Yeah, I think it is really important uh, for people to understand that these issues are very mainstream issues that affect the entire family. Um, first of all, obviously, Planned Parenthood serves men as well. Um, we offer STD testing and treatment. Um, we also have a bill in the legislature that's going to expand access to vasectomy care. Uh, right now, uh, trained nurse practitioners are prohibited um, from uh, performing that procedure, even though it falls within their scope of practice. So we're hoping to get that corrected in this legislative session. But um, more globally speaking, I, I believe that as a man, I can try to help uh illustrate to our supporters that that this isn't just a women's issue. This isn't just for young women. Uh, this isn't just for uh, uh, single women. It's for everybody. Like when, when families are healthier and families are planned and um, it, the entire community benefits. And Erin, your husband volunteers with you. Is that right? What is What has that experience been like working together? It's been a lot of fun. And I think that it's been really important for us because it was something that we've talked about in, when we're in Oregon and we think about these issues, sometimes it can be easy to think, well, it's really not that, it's not really an issue. And so for my husband and I, we really sat down and, and we're talking about, no, this really is still an issue and we still need to advocate for women's rights and for women's health care. And uh, so him and I have a lot of fun doing the canvassing together. It's great to see both men and women supporting this cause. It's not a women's issue. It's a human rights issue in my perspective, and it's an economic issue. So, Jimmy, you've brought um, a song for us to listen to today. What have you chosen? I picked Madonna's Papa Don't Preach um, because I believe it not only addresses the issue of unplanned teen pregnancy, but also um, it's about somebody who decided to continue a pregnancy, which is important for people to remember that we are here for women who um, want to make all their choices, whether it is uh, continuing a pregnancy, ending a pregnancy, or um, choosing adoption. And we want to keep um, women in charge of those decisions.
I'm Julie Falk, and this is the Nonprofit Hour. I'm talking to Jimmy Radosta and Aaron Johnson of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon. Um, Jimmy, what is what is your in your opinion is the biggest misconception about Planned Parenthood? Well, I would say uh, we do have to constantly uh, fight this perception that uh, we are all about abortion. Um, it's it, it's been said many times before, but it can never hurt to repeat that. Uh, more than 95% of the services that Planned Parenthood provides are preventative, um, including life-saving cancer screenings, STD testing and treatment, uh, medically accurate sexual health education. And also, we are proud to provide uh, safe legal abortion. But uh, it's, it is challenging to try to get across, especially to people who have a vendetta against us, that we uh, can all come together around the fact that we want to prevent unintended pregnancies, which cost this country billions of dollars every year. And right now we are actually experiencing a all-time record low in unintended pregnancies, and that's something to celebrate. And why would we want to turn back the clock on this amazing progress that we're having? That's right. And um, Aaron, when you when you talk about your work and your volunteer work, um, what is the first thing you tell people about your experience um, with the leadership team? I find the work personally just very meaningful and important. So I've I've just I tell people that it, this is the t- the time that I spend doing this is the best the most well spent time that I am. I go to work and I, you know, I take care of my dogs and, you know, I I have a full life. But the work that I do with the leadership and advocacy team is my most important and fulfilling work. That's a big thing to say. And, you know, I I think, you know, some people begin to find their volunteer work to be as, you know, onerous as their (laughs) as their work day. And so, so can you talk more about really what makes it rewarding? I think that just knowing that there was a time in my life when I couldn't afford birth control and being in a situation where I felt very vulnerable, uh, that was a very scary place to be. And I just do not want anyone to have to feel that way. And with the Affordable Care Act now, I feel there's a lot more access and I want to continue to see that. Uh, I want to protect that for women, you know, and and for families and men. I mean, it it is for everybody. Um, And I just I really just don't think that it's appropriate um, to discriminate um, because it is an economic issue and we do need access. Everybody. It's not just a women's issue. And that makes me very passionate. That's really interesting to me because, you know, I mean, although we know that these rights are, you know, constantly under assault, um, Oregon um, has a lot to boast about in terms of its protections. Um, but can you talk about what you're working on now and, you know, what, you know, what um, the priorities are in 2015? Absolutely. So like I mentioned, there's the um, bill that would expand access to men's reproductive health care because uh, trained nurse practitioners are not able to provide vasectomies, even though it's within their scope of practice. So we're going to remedy that, hopefully. And then we also have a proactive bill that will protect patient privacy. Um, right now, when you seek uh, sele- select sensitive services like um, reproductive care, mental health care, domestic violence um, care, uh, the explanation of benefit statement is automatically sent to the policyholder instead of to the patient themselves. And so we want to uh, adjust that so that the um, 
insurance communications do not reveal any sensitive services that you don't want revealed to to um, policyholders for a number of reasons. In addition, we have um, our a comprehensive women's health bill that um, you know, is still um, being written, but um, it, that will just continue to strengthen access to um, um, uh, birth control and, and other aspects of, of the ACA. And then in addition to that, uh, we want to strengthen and protect family planning funding, which is always a, a struggle when, you know, when budgets are tight. And then we also are going to be keeping an eye on attacks on women's health. There's already been two um, anti-women's health bills introduced this year, and we're going to make sure those don't go anywhere. And what role does the leadership team pl- and advocacy team play in supporting um, these uh, the role of Planned advocates in Salem? So what we have right now is a lobby day scheduled in April, and so we'll be going down and uh, we'll have the support and a training ahead of time, but we go down and we actually talk to our elected officials and um, make sure that our agenda is on the forefront of their minds. Mm-hmm. And who are who are your partners, um, organizations that, um, that you rely on to come down and, and advocate with you in Salem? Well, uh, in the last uh, uh, lobby day we had, uh, there were folks from Basic Rights Oregon and the Oregon League of Conservation Voters and um, other other allied organizations that came and supported us. Um, so we we're just starting the recruitment process, but you know we hope to have uh, folks from some of the organizations that we're partnering with, like uh, Western States Center, possibly, mm-hmm. and um, Momentum Alliance, and. Uh, our friends at NARAL. Um, so it's, it's remains to be seen, but we, we would love to have uh, just a really robust turnout for that. It's, it's the, the biggest event that we do every two years, mm-hmm. gathering our supporters from across the state. And how many people were there two years ago? I believe 150. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also had a virtual lobby day for folks who couldn't come to Salem. Mm-hmm. And we heard from 59 of the 60 legislative districts in this state, which is incredible to know that we have support in every corner of Oregon. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people would be interested in going down to Salem to lobby, but they don't know what it means. And it seems a little bit scary to them. Can you talk a little bit more about about really, you know, how do you do it? What do you do? And, and why people should feel comfortable doing it with you all? So... When I did a lobby day last year, we had like we had we did a mini lobby day, and what we did is we actually had some a script, and we had an opportunity to kind of read through it. and And I don't mean script as something that you know, yeah, we have to just kind of read this thing. It was just some some talking points, I should say, so that you had an idea of of just a place to start. And we went uh, door to door to all the um, to well, I should say all, but a select number of uh, politicians, and we had a chance to sit down with them. And it was pretty casual, which was nice, but it was also really empowering for me because I didn't realize until until you're there, until you're in Salem and you're in front of somebody that you're like, you know, I'm a constituent, you know, I put you here. And, you know, that's just a really great experience. Um, but, you know, there was to be practiced and, and got on, on – um, on target and and really encouraged uh, the politicians that we were working with, the state representatives, that um, you know we are here and women are watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you realize they're real people too. You know, <laughs> yes. and and they do want to hear from you, and and they do rely on their constituents to be where they are. 
Yeah, those face-to-face -face visits are so valuable. I mean, it's it's one thing to send an email to your elected representative. It's another thing to pick up the phone. But a face-to-face -face visit is is worth about a hundred times the rest of those. And and so uh, it, it it's it's so crucial for people to know that their voice matters and that um, this is a really easy way and a fun way actually to uh, get to go to Salem and make sure that your voice is heard. You know, we have a robust training in the morning. We have a fun march to the Capitol. We have a little rally. And then we head inside. And uh, it's, it's a great way to have access to the, the amazing leaders that we have in this state, as well as hopefully uh, meeting with some people who need a little bit of uh, education <laughs> on on what we do. Right. And so do you provide transportation um, down to Salem? We, um, when people register, um, which they can do at ppaoregon.org, um, which is our website, that's April 6th in Salem, uh, they have they can indicate whether they want to be a part of a carpool. And mm -hmm. so we will help arrange carpools. Mm -hmm. So you make it easy. You make it fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. You want to make it as, as low maintenance as possible. And you were there last two years ago, and you'll be there this year. And Was that your yeah. first time two years ago? Yeah, we did a mini lobby day, and uh, that was the first time. And I don't think I've even been to the Capitol, you know, in years. And so it was just really great to kind of walk through the whole building and just get a feel for what's going on and, and who these people are and who's leading the state. So, um, you know, we got in our pink shirts and we walked around in a big crowd and uh, we were uh, quite the sight to see, I imagine. And Aaron, you've brought a song for us to listen to today. What have you brought? Yeah, the song that came to mind was uh, Beyonce's song, um, Who Rule the World? And this song is just a an empowering, pump-up kind of song that I just listen to um, in the mornings and kind of get going for the day and just feel really, um, feel really good that I, I can make a difference. 